0: Welcome to Industry Focus, the podcast that dives into a different sector of the stock market every day. Today is Thursday, September eighth, twenty sixteen. So we're talking about energy, materials, and industrials. I'm joined in studio by the Motley Fool's very own Taylor Markerman. Um, so Taylor, are you ready for back to school week?
1: Not as much as I'm ready for football tonight. But
0: really, sure. What uh, What do you What do you think the spread's going to be? Uh, I, think or, Carolina, I think it's
1: obviously. minus three Carolina.
0: So really, I'm taking them. You think it's going to happen? Oh yeah. Yeah. Without a doubt. Um so happens to be back to school week, an industry focus. What is that? Um well, all the kiddies are going back to school uh, and yeah, yeah. we just needed a theme week okay. and we we had That's no fair. other ideas. A little bit of insider info for our listeners there. So um so what we're doing is we're taking an investing term or concept and t- taking our listeners to school on how they can use it in their own investing. Um, If the term can be discussed in the context of each show's specific industry, so much the better. Um, So before we jump into that, though, we we do—we're all set to do this—and then I just—we had to talk about a couple of energy news items. Fine, fine, fine. Um, I actually don't even have notes about this, but uh, what's up with this couple billion barrel find for uh, out in out in the Delaware Basin there?
1: Yeah, Apache uh, striking liquid gold. Uh, Two billion barrels found in the what they call a. I thought it was
0: three. I mean, it's a lot.
1: Um, at least two billion barrels of oil okay, in so the new West probable, Texas field. So they, they're saying it's a new West Texas field. It's in a far, far off foregone corner of the Permian Basin. Um, so, two billion, that's like the biggest find in some what, years.
0: What did you mean just there when you said that? It had been drilled like 100 years ago and everybody forgot about it? Or Well,
1: the, I guess geologists figured that it really wasn't conducive to fracking. Mm-hmm. But now Apache's looking at what could be an $8 billion oil field.
0: Sweet science. So,
1: hence, they were up double digit percent yesterday. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's yeah, pretty yeah. good.
0: Um, speaking of double digit percentage gains, um, Spectra Energy getting bought out for $33 billion? Yeah, something like that. Um, I would. This shocked everybody, right?
1: Like, Yeah, I think it did because um, neither company is struggling. Um, it just, Enbridge, I think, wants to diversify. Traditionally, more oil heavy. Spectra is very much more natural gas heavy. Um, so. Decided to pony up and create the largest energy infrastructure company in North America by a very wide margin. Poor K Take that, Kinder Take that, poor Kinder Morgan. Morgan. Womp yeah. womp. First um, they d- cut their dividend, now they're second best. Oh
0: man, second biggest. They're they're gonna have to best buy, is a different. Uh, yeah yeah. They're gonna different to, argument. They're gonna have to buy one oak or something. <laughs> uh, who knows? They, what need worry,
1: they need to worry about that debt that they cut their dividend to pay off. Yeah.
0: So uh, this was just a stock deal, though. Right. All
1: stock deal. I think. Um, and embridge shareholders will own around 57% something. of the company yeah. spectra shareholders will own 43% of the company give or take a tenth or a hundredth somewhere along the lines
0: and uh yeah, so the other uh, i guess it's just like everybody's buying stuff this week big week um eog announced over the weekend was it
1: uh, or a monday whatever yeah it came out um, on the 6th
0: the uh they bought a small private oil and gas producer producer and by small i mean 2.3 billion dollars yeah. um is this like the sign that things are turning? Like, w-
1: it could be. Well, so EOG traditionally not an acquisitive company because um, they have all that they, awesome they, acreage. Yeah, in they there like just- they <laughs> like what they own, and they figure they could get a higher return on just drilling right. what they know they have, which is shown to be superior to most other companies' um, land holdings. But this company had some acreage, um, and I say some; it's a c- considerable amount. Obviously, if you're paying over two billion dollars for it, but that bordered on some of their acreage, so now they can just they can drill longer horizontal wells um, to access that oil without having to drill multiple wells. So it's it's kind of just supplementing the acreage they've already owned, just expanding their footprint rather than buying up somewhere else in the country. It's right. um, just basically, you know, their
0: blob is just growing. Right. So this this still fits within their corporate culture. Absolutely. Obviously. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. So, uh, Professor Muckerman, uh we are the lucky individuals that get to talk for back to school week about free cash flow. Um this is a term that has um you know you google free cash flow and it it has more than one definition. Um I'd also argue that it kind of depends on who you're talking to, but to start, out, start us off, can you give us a layman's definition of what you think free cash flow is? It's
1: cash that's given to you.
0: Right? Like if I give you $10 yeah, yeah, right yeah, now, that's
1: free cash flow. Is that free no, cash um flow? it's basically the more important definition of net income, it's it's the cash that you actually earned rather than the financially finagled net income figure. So you're backing out or adding back changes in inventory, changes in accounts receivable, things like that, which are considered working capital. Um, you're also taking care of depreciation and amortization, and then subtracting um, capital expenditures. So you're taking your basically you're taking your cash from operations, subtracting. Capital expenditures. So, there you are at free cash flow. You
0: you threw out a lot of accounting terms there, and the kid in the back of the classroom just fell asleep. I saw him like not out there a little bit. I know that so, kid. Yeah, no, he's I've troubled. seen
1: that kid before.
0: To to the front of the class, Jimmy. Um, do you really quick? Just why is Gap you know net income, the mm-hmm. th- earnings per share, that stuff? Why is that not the only thing or the best thing for investors to look at? Like you said that you know it's you know. Kind yep. of made up or whatever. What do you mean by that? Like well, cause if you, i if i buy google, i can't i am not actually earning that money that's their net income line. Like what do you mean?
1: Well, so you're you're taking non-cash charges. If your inventory is higher than it was the previous year, that's not more money that you have. It's right. just the same. It's just a balance sheet item that's increased. Um, if you have less less accounts receivable, yeah, you might have less money coming to you, but you don't have that money, so there, there's that change doesn't need to be accounted for in net income. Depreciation is a non cash charge. That's a, that's a write down of your of a, your assets a, again. A figment of accountants' so, imagination. Yeah, yeah. So yeah. you're just you're accounting for these finaglings of of assets mm-hmm. that get mixed into net income, and you're stripping those out. So obviously, you're not going to get paid by non cash items. Mm-hmm. So why consider that in your cash flow? An actual cost. Yeah.
0: yeah. Um, so in addition to that, you're right, I. I was gonna say this later, but I it's gonna be like ninety eight percent of what you're looking for. But I normally just subtract capex from cash from operations. Well, yeah, I mean go. that's
1: basically that that formula that we talked about: net income with with accounting yeah. for depreciation, amortization, changes in networking capital, EBIT. You have to take into account taxes that you're paying and then interest. So that basically boils down to cash flow from operations. So you're just taking all that. And just turning it into one phrase. Yeah. And then, and then you then subtract capital expenditures from that, and you're left with money to pay off debt and party. to pay off dividends or,
0: yeah, party. Pay down debt, yeah. Yeah. Um, corporate jet. I remember. Um Talking about free cash flow it was it was called a, something different, but the like, mother's milk. Did, yeah. somebody,
1: did somebody say that one yeah, time? Yeah, no, it yeah. is.
0: Um, no, it's you know all those stupid Buffett books that came out in the late 90s. Stupid and early Buffett books. There's like five hundred of them. It's like the Warren Buffett way. Oh, and the, not you know all those. By, yeah, 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 written about. Buffett. Um, no, I'd kill for him to write a book. Um, did you actually? Did you know he said he like if he were to ever write a book, he would make it a fiction book. Yeah, why not? Somebody asked him about that. He's a jokester. Yeah. Well, no. What he said, everybody he would, else do, would be
1: clamoring for an actual yeah. book that they could learn something from. Well,
0: he, what he would do is it was going to be a fiction. It would be during the financial crisis. Mm-hmm. What if Bank of America hadn't bought Merrill Lynch, and like what would have happened? He's like, I don't know, but it probably would be bad.
1: We know you're listening, Warren. Yes, we Write know. Write it.
0: You're one of our loyal listeners. Um, but okay, so free cash flow, obviously, kind of a fictional number, especially if you're multiplying by a tax rate on something mm-hmm. that you calculate and all that stuff. Um, you're an analyst for Motley Fool Canada, yeah. a stock picking service that's uh, about to have its three year anniversary. Congratulations. No, oh, thank you. Yeah, next month, October. Um, you guys are also beating the market. You're, you're hit. Yeah, we're up you're slightly.
1: We're up uh, nine point three percent, I think, as of right now. This TSX is up around nine percent over that time, so slightly beating, but beating nonetheless.
0: Yeah, yeah. The uh, the the commodity toughnesses. Well, we've actually escaped
1: you. a lot of that because we we don't own any or we That's don't right, recommend you... any oil producers. We only recommend
0: uh, pipeline companies and services companies. Going so, midstream. Yeah. Um, but as an analyst on the stock picking service, how do you and your team use free cash flow when picking uh, stocks because, you know, you're you're, you're focusing on do you focus on free cash flow? Do you care? Like
1: Yeah, that's definitely something we focus on. One of the more, one of the more hotly highly, highly valued things that we focus on because um, you know, that's money that you're taking forward to the next year that you can then use to expand the business or return to shareholders. So, basically that's exactly what we want out of a company growing or returning. So, it you would assume that growth would turn into returns further down the line, so that's what that's one of the main things that I'm looking for is cash flow, free cash flow growth year over year, um, or cash free cash flow compared to your revenues. To how much how much of your sales are you turning into free cash flow? Um, so those are definitely some metrics that we focus on.
0: So if I were to ask you to name a company, yes, that is awesome at generating free cash flow. What's the first one that comes to mind?
1: Well, there's a lot of services companies out there. Because right now, what you're seeing is our producers that um, are struggling because they have high capital expenditures budgets, and now their revenues are declining and their net income is declining. Um, so, some service companies one that we recommend in uh, Stock Advisor Canada is Enerflex. It's a pipeline. You made that up. No, no, no. It's uh, traded on that the, exist. the Toronto Stock Exchange. Okay. Uh, <laughs> ticker EFX. And um, oh, pipeline pipeline services company, so they're not a pipeline operator, but they do service pipelines. Um, and so that's one company that's out there um, making money. And they, their capital expenditures aren't necessarily quite as high as as even a pipeline company is because they're not expanding um, their geographic footprint. And and as pipelines do grow, their business grows. And, and aging pipelines are a big business for them as well. Um, and then you've got all three major uh, U.S. services companies, Schlumberger, Halliburton, and Baker Hughes, all ranking very highly uh, on free cash flow generation. I'm talking right now about the seven-year CAGR, uh, compound annual growth rate of free cash flow growth, and all three of those companies Rank in the top deciles of okay, so the energy I, I, market. I
0: pulled up Halliburton here. Yes. And uh, for our listeners that want to follow along, go to SEC.gov and type in i I'm kidding. Um, but anyway, it does this this well, is. this on their is cash a flow class, statement. right? So yeah. follow along, yeah. darn it. Follow along, Jimmy. And get to the front of the class here. Um, so in uh, twenty fifteen, so this is on their cash flow statement. It's yes. one of the three major statements that every company's Hold required. To I'm clicking uh, over. Throw on their uh
1: yeah it's arguably the most important so
0: yeah the uh, cuz
1: it's basically all three statements are all the other two you statements you can see where kind of everything's flowing in. Yes. that's the you can see dividends being paid Canada. and you can see interest being paid you can see debt being taken on or debt being repaid and then all your income and everything right there.
0: So uh for the class in fiscal year 2015, if that's okay with you. We'll use 2015. Taylor. It's the last fiscal year. Um net income for Halliburton of negative $671 million. What? Oh my gosh, they lost money. I hate money? that business. What?
1: This is terrible. This is the worst However, business on the planet.
0: Um you add back depreciation and amortization. Yes. Um that is a non-cash charge. I mean it's their assets are aging, but I mean this—this this is not money out the door. No, nope, this is not money out the door. So automatically, they're earning money again. They—we're they adding back 1.8 billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Um, got a loss there of 1.1 billion dollars from non-operating activities. Not sure what that is. So
1: that's going to be those one-time charges like layoffs or restructuring or they, asset they, write-downs.
0: They, they probably laid off a few people last year. you right. They did, unfortunately. <laughs> um, changes in accounts receivable. So that went up by 1.468 billion dollars. Mm-hmm. Uh, change in accounts payable minus six hundred three. So cash from operations two point nine billion dollars. We're doing all right. And last year, uh, they invested just two point one eight billion. So free cash flow of I don't know a little over seven hundred million dollars to party with. Basically flipped the script
1: on that six hundred seventy one million dollar loss.
0: Not 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 too shabby. Not too shabby at all. Um, what? uh, Okay, so let's let's rewind it back. Right. Can you think of any companies that are terrible free cash flow generators that maybe even show gap profits all the time?
1: Um, Well, just to top the list, so I ran the same screen: seven-year compound annual growth rate of free cash flow growth, um, and worst of the worst, never guessed who's at the top of this list.
0: For worst, like for the worst.
1: So this is a negative compound annual growth rate over the last seven years for their free cash flow.
0: And it's in our sector, like oh, yeah. materials, oh, and industrials. Yeah. Oh
1: it's, uh, man, it's at the top of another list.
0: Is it?
1: Oh wait, it's a pop quiz. Chesapeake Energy. No. Ah, shoot. It's Exxon. Really? Yeah, because they have such huge capital expenditures. Wow. Massive capital expenditures. So when you have this flip flop in, I got go oil prices. This. Yeah. Um, and to be to let everybody know, seven years ago, what was that? Two thousand nine, yeah. September two thousand nine. Oil prices were in the in the mid sixties. So it's not a terribly different environment, as you remember. Oil had gotten above one fifty um, before the financial crisis and plummeted along with the rest of um, yeah, the yeah. Here it is.
0: So like twenty fourteen for our listeners, um, Exxon generated free cash flow uh, forty five billion from operations, thirty three billion spent. So. Um, you know, it's twelve billion dollars, and then, but this last year, twenty fifteen, they generated just three billion dollars in free cash flow, and last twelve months, which includes the latest, you know, couple quarters, uh, it's it's basically breaking even on a cash basis. So there's not
1: negative free cash flow, but
0: negative free cash flow growth. Oof, oof, Exxon, and to make matters worse, they're still paying that dividend. And to make matters even worse, they're not
1: replacing 100% of their oil at the moment. Dun-dun-dun. But they're still the biggest oil company
0: in the world. Right, so they're fine. Um, Wow! Or publicly traded oil company in the world. So, uh, before we uh, say class dismissed, and uh, send everybody home to do their homework, um, do you have any final thoughts or takeaways that you might want to just give everybody to think about when they're walking home?
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, so just to show you right there, the largest oil company publicly traded here in the United States is the worst at free cash flow growth over the last seven years. But, has it been a terrible investment over the last seven years? No. So The cyclicality of the oil industry can affect some figures like free cash flow, but they are still making free cash, so they're still able to return that to shareholders. Um, or reinvest it back in the business, as we've seen with capital expenditures being what would you say thirty-five billion dollars? Yeah, there's so, yeah every year they're growing mail. the business yeah. or at least maintaining the business. Um, so it's not end all be all factor to look at. Um, it's it's a
0: number and you need to know the story and the reasons exactly, for the number.
1: It's a worthwhile screen, um, but if your company isn't producing free cash flow. Then you might want to worry a little bit, unless it's a hyper growth company in a very early stage. If it's a late stage company and free cash flow suddenly
0: disappears, that's bad. Why? Got it. Awesome. Thank you for your thoughts. You got it. Have a good one. You too. That is it for us, folks. We'd like to give a special shout out to our producer, Austin Morgan, who is behind the glass as we speak, working his video and audio magic. And if you're a loyal listener and have questions or comments, we would love to hear from you. Just email us at fool.com. Once again, that is fool.com. And as always, people in this program may have interest in the stocks that they talk about, and The Motley Fool may have formal recommendations for or against those stocks, so don't buy or sell anything based solely on what you hear in this program. For Taylor Merkerman, I'm Sean O'Reilly. Thanks for listening, and Fool on!